Hello boys and girls, today I'm going to try to talk about a difficult subject uh, that is complex PTSD and borderline personality disorder and make it relatable and interesting and fascinating and not disappear into nerd speak because by the nature of the uh, field of study, well any field of study does this, you end up with a load of acronyms, the DSM, the BPD, the CPTSD, the DBT that cures the BPD that could be affected by the CPTSD and normal folks are just sat there going, what the F? babbling about. This is nonsense, talk English. Um, so, what am I talking about here? CPTSD and borderline might be related. Okay, CPTSD. CPTSD, complex post-traumatic stress disorder and borderline personality disorder. Let me cover something at this point because a couple of people have asked me about this. They're like, why do you believe in disorders? Well, I don't believe in disorders. It's not like believing in the fucking Easter Bunny, is it? It's a model of reality. Now, do I like the term disorder? No, I don't like the term disorder, and I don't like, but uh, I have problems with the terms complex post-traumatic stress disorder and borderline personality disorder. There are problems with both those terms, but they are the terms out there being used. What could we say for complex PTSD? Well, this is a response that a person has that is outside of their control to, on, to a specific type of ongoing psychological and emotional stress that they weren't able to escape. And the specific type of emotional stress meant that their sense of reality and of right and wrong morality, their conscience even, their conscience and their consciousness was eroded. Somebody picked away at it. And usually for what we call complex post-traumatic stress response to manifest, the person needs to not be able to escape. They need to be exposed to that stress over a long period of time. And they need to be in some kind of a catch-22 or a double bind. The usual uh, example I give of a good catch-22 or a double bind is like that scene from the uh, book 1984 that was then taken off by uh, Star Trek, John Luke Picard where the dude is torturing him and saying, how many lights are there? And there are four lights. And he says, and every time he tells the right number of lights back to the torturer, the torturer electrocutes him or something, hits him with some evil alien technology that causes him to experience massive amounts of pain. And the game that the uh, Jean-Luc Picard is trapped in is a game that he can't win. It's a shell game. Um, how many lights are there? Well, there actually are four lights, but if you say there are four lights, you'll experience pain. The torturer wants you to say, there are three lights, there are five lights, there are however many fucking lights you tell me to, just stop fucking electrocuting me bollocks, please. But he doesn't, he sticks with it. And then you have, there's like a little internet meme that's out there for Star Trek nerds of uh, Jean-Luc Picard going, there are four lights. You can just put, there are four lights into YouTube and you'll see him doing it. Fantastic piece of acting. It's taken off from 1984, where they're torturing the protagonist of 1984, and uh, they're saying to him, you know, how many fingers am I holding up? Two. No, torture him. How many fingers am I holding up? Three. No, torture him more. How many fingers am I holding up? I think it's four, but I'm not sure if it's four. Maybe it's four. I can't see. I'm like going a bit blind here because you're torturing me so much. Torture him again until eventually Winston breaks and says, it's however many you say they are. And he says, that's the correct answer. Reality and truth is whatever the party says it is. So I've made this comparison before and it's useful for people who are not familiar with the subject to think of complex post-traumatic 
stress response as the equivalent of being a political prisoner. So any film you've seen or book you've read about political prisoners being tortured, that's a good way of framing complex people. There's stress, there's the fear of death, there's huge amounts of emotional dysregulation, you'll be adrenalized, they could you know, wake you up at four o'clock in the morning, drag you outside and give you a mock execution. And this is the kind of things that happen in the real world, right? To stretch people out. That's the complex post-traumatic stress response. The normal PTSD that most of us know about because we've seen it in movies, um, Jacob's Ladder, uh, Tim Robbins was, was somebody suffering from PT, PTSD. And he had these uh, very, they represented the flashbacks very interestingly. Um, he would, he would hear um, helicopter blades going, he would hear like wings flapping, these wings eventually morph, I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but this one's okay, morph into, into demon's wings, um, and he's, he could be out at a party or dancing somewhere, he'd see the strobe lights, and then everything, reality starts to shift, and he starts flashbacking. And as he's flashing back, he doesn't know where he is, because his body is suddenly spewing up all of this emotion and a biochemical cocktail saying, you're in danger, you're in danger, run, 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 run. You need to run, you need to fight, you need to kill somebody or hide or, and then he starts sweating and all the rest of it. And what's the stimulus that's caused that? He's in a nightclub. So then the response is malfunctioning. I nearly said broken then, but I don't wanna say it's broken because I believe it's fixable. So it's malfunctioning. So we have a response to a stimulus that is no longer appropriate. Borderline personality disorder. What does it mean to be out there in the borders of the borderline? Um, it actually means, the way it's, it's written there, is that you're a borderline psychotic. I don't find that particularly a useful way of framing it. I prefer Marshall Linehan's way of framing it, which is emotional dysregulation disorder, or emotional dysregulation response. So people have asked me, do you believe in disorders? No, I don't believe that you get rubber stamped and it's like, oh, you've got borderline personality disorder, like you've got blue eyes and that's the way it is for the rest of your life. Um, because I don't believe any disorders work like that. And there's no, before people kick off in the comments section, go, that's just the way it is. There's no evidence that proves conclusively that any of the disorders out there work like that. If it's being learned, my belief is, as the eternal optimist idealist that I am, it can be unlearned. So where does this complex post-traumatic response and the borderline personality response, the emotional dysregulation response, uh, go over. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it, that like if somebody, I think the commonality, if you like the two, if you have a complex PTSD over here and borderline or emotional dysregulation over here, emotional dysregulation just means the emotions are bouncing up and down too much. What does that sound like? It sounds a little bit like bipolar, doesn't it? Where you're stuck between two poles, two poles of, a, of intense emotion, mania, Everything is wonderful, <laughs> and absolute depression. Fuck, I can't move, I wish I was dead, but I can't even be bothered to kill myself. Those are the two poles. That's huge emotional dysregulation. So the emotions are doing this. Well, isn't that also happening for the people with the um, complex PTSD? Yes, it is. Where do they meet? This thing, I don't want to go into nerd speak, but allow me for a moment, called the HPA access, access. or as a client said to me a couple of days ago, the hyperaxis, she's from Brooklyn. She said, I read about the hyperaxis. I was like, yeah, that's what I'm asking you. Um, so the hyperaxis is the hypothalamus, the pituitary and the adrenal um, axis, as in this is where they all meet and work together to define when there's a threat in the environment. So we could call it the HPA axis or we could call it the threat response mechanism of the brain. 
that is determining how to emotionally respond to external factors. What's it there for? Well, in the most simplest example, it's there so that me, Ugh, Neanderthal man, <laughs> walking around with a club, looking for something to eat, I see a saber-toothed tiger, and I go, fuck a saber-toothed tiger. And instead of saying relaxed and cool and be like, yo, what's up? I run, or I hit it, or I hit it and then run. And you need to be in a, a different physiological state for that to happen. Why? Well, because the body is responding in such a way that if you get bitten, you won't bleed out as quickly. If you need to run, you'll have the energy there. Your ability to experience pain gets diminished. Your ability to manifest aggression and go, oh, kill saber-toothed tiger will come stronger. Uh, the blood flow starts to move differently in the body. So this is all the, the hypoaxis, the HPA axis, hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal points where they cross over and are working together, the, the threat response function. Complex PTSD. Emotional dysregulation, da, 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 becoming adrenalized inappropriately at the HPA axis, right? This is where they're all crossing over. If you get a text off an ex-boyfriend and you're sweating and shaking and just, oh, fucking hell. Some people have even reported, and I've experienced this myself in abusive relationships, the sound of the text. I've got, I've got ring, like ringtones I can't use anymore. Kanye West's Can't Tell Me Nothing the first few bars of that makes me feel um, tense here, adrenalized. You even hear my voice shake. It makes me feel tense here because I was in the breakup phases of a very, very unpleasant <laughs> relationship. And every time I got a text through or she called me, the first few bars of that were, I can't listen to her anymore. That's what they call an NLP anchoring. And um, in behavioral psychology, it's called conditioning, isn't it? That's the Pavlovian classical response. So, I hope I didn't nerd out too much on that one. That's where there seems to be a crossover between trauma and manifestation of borderline traits. That's emotional dysregulation. When emotional dysregulation occurs, when we say, when I say to you, I think there's a few benign borderline traits because I want to keep you out of the cluster B. I'm not saying you're a nasty, malicious person who needs to go out there and drink other people's milkshake in order to feel good. But what I am saying is, you're a bit insecure. What I am saying is, you will... Uh, overreact to things in certain scenarios that shouldn't be overreacted to. I am the same way. In a co in certain specific contexts, I react in a classically borderline way. I'm not particularly savage. I don't go out and attack people. But in situations of emotional intimacy, like with a lady who I like a lot, um, I can see borderline traits manifesting. I can see perceptions of, re of rejection playing up when there's no there's no data. There's no data there. So one of the ways in which I try and help people who are manifesting certain borderline traits and the way in which Marsha Linehan with her uh, dialectical behavioral therapy try and help people with these borderline traits, the emotional dysregulation, is to say to them, you know, be objective, do your meditation, be specific, be scientific, question your own thinking, question your own feelings. Don't just respond to every feeling as it pops up and, and go with it. Similarly, with the complex PTSD, you've got to do the same thing because you don't... Now, this is where there is a difference, right? And it's, it's useful to cross them over. In CPTSD, we talk about emotional flashbacks. In, um, in borderlines, I don't know what they call that other than just you are a borderline. Um, but it is an emotional flashback. You are having an emotional flashback. When 
the text goes and you become adrenalized or when a bill comes and you massively over respond to it, that's an emotional flashback. That's not you in a normal state. I think, as I've said before, um, Eckhart Tolle was pointing to this effect when he was talking about the pain body. People go into the pain body and the pain body like possesses them like a demon and they become part, they just change, they go dark. I've experienced that. I'm sure most people watching this channel have experienced that. And then you're seeing things in this weird, you know, like when Frodo puts on the ring and everything is dark and swimmy and slightly corrupt looking and gray and everything looks like it's like rotting. And then there's the eye of Sauron and you get scared and paranoid and terrified and all of that. That's the, you go into a sub reality, you put the ring on, boom, you're stuck in the sub reality and it's like, shit, everybody's out to get me. Um, then all, all the, the emotional pus comes up, the toxic shame will flood you and all the rest of it. Everybody's out to get me. Um, love isn't real. Nobody will ever love you. You're extremely ugly. You're disgusting. You know, it's, you know all of these thoughts come up because it's that reservoir of toxic shame has just been hit. So da -da 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 -da. this is where the complex PTSD and the borderline seems to be manifesting. And I thought I was very clever yet again because I usually fall for my own bullshit. I'm like, I'm so clever. I've worked this out. Uh, when I'm doing work with people and they've been in uh, relationships of narcissistic abuse or narcissistic comorbid borderline abuse, toxic personality disorders, they come out of that and guess what they are? They're traumatized. Uh, I heard it first from John Collins, people who live with borderlines become borderline themselves because if the person you're living with is emotionally dysregulated, you can be trained into emotional dysregulation too. But it's not just their emotional dysregulation that is emotionally dysregulating you. It is the trauma of being with somebody who is, a, who is part of that dark triad. Uh, the, sorry, I've done a triangle and now I'm doing another triangle. Let's do it over here. The dark triad, which is narcissism, um, a borderline and psychopathy, antisocial personality disorder, otherwise known as a really nasty fucker. Like if you're living with somebody like that, if you love somebody like that, Afterwards, you will be in pain for a long time because they literally go in and they eviscerate you and they scoop out your emotions and they, they carve you out so that they can turn you into a zombie. But I'll discuss the zombie process on, a, on another video. So this is where, so I noticed it. I was chatting to people and I was like, oh, I've got a lot of people coming to me who've got narcissistic abuse. And then I was like, I see a lot of borderline traits here. There's borderline, sometimes benign and sometimes malign. Sometimes people get really nasty with me because the coaching process is, is a provocation uh, itself. That's why therapy generally doesn't work for people, for people who are emotionally dysregulated um, because they don't want to be vulnerable and they don't want another person interfering with them and going, oh, I'm, I'm prying through their private stuff. They don't want that. So they attack. Um, it doesn't always happen. Uh, every personality disorder or personality effect or trait occurs over a spectrum and you can have it be quite nasty, you can have it be fairly benign, you know, there's all different ways of it manifesting, but I'm trying to not talk too much babble here. I hope I've managed to do that. So I noticed that and I put it into Google and I was like, I was so clever. And then I realized that loads of other people had already said that. Um, one of the first results I got was from Sam Vankin, your other uh, YouTube ally. Um, <laughs> now I'll get in the comments, he's a psychopath, don't recommend him. Okay. <laughs> But the material he puts out is pretty crystal clear uh, and it has helped people. And he made a point that actually there's a lot of misdiagnosis of people with borderline personality disorder. 
some uh, he makes the point that di- diagnoses come and go like fads like 10 years ago bipolar was the thing to call everybody um, and also that a lot of times when somebody is helicopter um, the steak of bladder I'm having a flashback um, that oftentimes when there is borderline it is comorbid meaning it occurs with narcissism as well comorbid just means there's two illnesses uh, manifesting at the same time so um, he'd already made that point and other people had already made that point and then I, the further research if you put complex PTSD and borderline personality disorder into Google you get tons of results back other people working in this field are seeing that um, we need to redefine what borderline personality disorder is I think it needs to be broken down into some sub-definitions um, we ideally should change the naming of it to emotional uh, dysregulation I just think that would be a lot less dismissive uh, and, 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 and derogatory a term emotional dysregulation and also we need to get further into what complex PTSD is and what it does to people the final point I'd like to make is some of the research I found actually said that people with straightforward PTSD Vets, when they were tested for, for borderline traits, 75% of them in this uh, piece of research that was done found that vets with PTSD end up with borderline traits. So here's my last, last, last thing. When I'm talking about borderline, the key elements of borderline for me are that the sense of self is damaged. The sense of self in the world is fundamentally damaged. Um, and there is a huge fear of abandonment. And the third thing is an inability to cope with emotions, usually being triggered by emotional intimacy. So people who have uh, emotional dysregulation uh, response or borderline, when they get into intimate relationships and they feel vulnerable, they start to flashback more and then they get freaked out and extremely insecure and paranoid and, and that kind of thing. Um, so why would that occur with people who've suffered trauma? Well, if you've been through a war zone or you've experienced massive natural disaster or both, your sense of reality is going to be damaged. You're going to be like, well, the world is not a safe place. And if you've seen people die in front of you or people killing people in front of you, the trauma of that will leave you with a sense of deep, deep, deep insecurity about human nature and deep insecurity about your place in the world. If you've experienced extreme terror, and lived with terror, yeah, you're gonna have some abandonment issues. That might make you, if you've been tortured, yeah, that might make you a little bit clingy after the fact. Um, so yeah, there will be a huge amount of, of abandonment issues that, that come with that. Um, and if you think about it, in situations of trauma, or if somebody has been captured and tortured, are they not abandoned? They are abandoned. So if somebody is in a natural disaster and they get separated like a huge flood or a fire or something and they get separated from other people then they will feel abandoned so that's where that trauma gets um, placed in there and then the emotions will become dysregulated because the biology will respond to that by overreacting see your the and, and this is my final 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 point is your unconscious mind which is really the place where the biology interacts with consciousness through this little dark bridge, dingy bridge that we need to study called the unconscious. It doesn't really care about you being happy. Not really. Like at the deepest biological levels, happiness is not a concern because it's not absolutely necessary to survival. So at the rawest, most primeval genetic levels, happy is irrelevant. Peaceful is irrelevant. What counts is will you live or not? 
safety is the key word. So even if these flashbacks are making you miserable, you can't get a decent night's sleep, you can't hold down a job, you damn sure can't do a relationship because you self-sabotage it before it ever gets to the place where the other person could leave you, and if it does get to that place, you leave them first so they can't leave you, preemptive abandonment, you can't do anything, you can't function, but the unconscious mind doesn't care because at least you're safe. Yeah, I know it sucks for you to have to wake up five times a night in a cold sweat with hideous nightmares. Yes, I know it sucks for you having to be on your own, you can't be in a relationship ever again. Yeah, I know, but at least you're alive. At least we're surviving. At least we are, quote unquote, safe. So at these levels, I think this is where we need to be looking at. People are talking about a cure for complex PTSD. I've had people tell me, you shouldn't tell people there's a cure for it. There's no cure. They just have to learn to live with it. And I'm like, well, fuck you. I don't believe that. Why should I fucking believe that? How do we know? Have we exhausted every possibility? No, we haven't. Because we don't know what every fucking possibility is out there. Did we try the ayahuasca option? Did we try the MDMA option? No. Um, do I recommend that people do that? I don't think it's necessary. But... If it was, then at least there is something that could be done. We should be experimenting and pushing towards every single possibility to get this thing fixed. Personally, I suspect a lot can be done by compassionate dialogue, talk therapy, um, maybe some elements of, of hypnotherapy and mental reconditioning and state management techniques, and uh, really getting people into a new way uh, a new level of understanding and skill in terms of handling their own body. You've got to get in control of the HPA, the, the HIPAA axis, the, uh, the HPA axis. You've got to get in control if you can, or at least build a working partnership with this biological function that is trying to protect you from threat. Um, okay, that's it for this one, I think. Thank you very much for your time and your attention. If you have any questions, uh, please post them in the comments section below, and um, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you very much.